Welcome back to another episode of Awareness to Action Enneagram Podcast. My name is Seth Creekmore. You can call me Creek, and I'm with my prosaic co-host. Prosaic? Prosaic? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I mean, it had to be something, right? It had to be something for the four episodes. Did you episode, look up right? the definition of... of yeah, yeah, I, okay, I did. Yeah, so Having or using the yeah, style, okay. uh, style or dictation of prose as opposed to poetry, lacking imaginativeness yeah. and originality. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. All it's, right. It fits. It fits for the have to be some level <laughs> yeah. of condescending on the four episode. Or <laughs> yeah, okay. not a four All episode. Right. <laughs> All right. There you go. The knives so are no two more with you than with us. Uh, absolutely. This is we don't need to say anything more about the four. Like that's it's yeah. always about us and, and never yeah. about you. Yeah. It's it's all very precious. Anyways, we are talking about the four today. What are you, uh, you two? What what are your feelings on fours generally? Mm-hmm. I How just much time I don't. Do we have? Well, I don't think much about them, quite frankly. So, yeah, okay. uh, you know, they're Unremarkable. just not interesting enough to me. You know, so yeah, yeah. there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. for them now, mm. <laughs> um, but in a way, I think that their emotional intensity is a gift and a burden at times. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say it. I thought I thought you were going to say it's tiring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm measuring <laughs> my words carefully that too. here. <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's the it's other too thing. Early in the session. <laughs> we may not like it, but I think generally, don't don't beat around the bush. Like if if you if you're going to say something, just say it. I want the authentic. No. Look, fours, okay. fours are, you, you know, people, you know, will ask, well, you know, what's your favorite type or, you know, what's the worst type, the best type, et cetera. And they're all just different versions of people yeah. with the same problems, you know what I mean? So yeah. fours, are, fours are no better, no worse than any of the other types. Don't say and, that. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry to my four friends. We want friends, to be the worst. You're, you're, you're just a different version of screwed up from the other eight yeah. types, you know, that's, you know, that's all right. Yeah. So it is interesting to me, though, and, and, and this is something I want to throw into the into the mix here. I do think that fours are, especially in today's Enneagram world or some circles of it, are very misunderstood, that there tends to be an emerging stereotype of the four that is becoming, you know, the only acceptable four that misses the bigger picture of what's happening with fours. Right, uh, and I think it happens to be the transmitting subtype that is today considered the authentic four, and the preserving and navigating subtypes are often seen by some fours as not real fours, which is just you know again silly, and it, it's almost a a symptom of what's happening with the four, right? That you know, no, I'm special. And so, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, mm-hmm. my version of the four. And I've heard people say that, oh, fours are, you know, fours are the most mistyped people in the Enneagram world. You know, all these people out there are mistyped as fours when they're not really fours. I don't, I have not experienced that to be the case, okay? I know among my client base, the people I interact with, I don't see people clamoring to be fours when they're not. And there's... um I think what's happening is you get in the Enneagram world a selection bias, right? Who who are the types that are going to be most intrigued by the Enneagram? 
Well, people who are self-reflective and curious about themselves and want to explore themselves. So you're going to get a disproportionate number of fours at, you know, conferences and workshops and, you know, online and forums. And then because you have people, you know, thinking only what we would call a transmitting fours or the real fours, then it seems to some folks that fours are overrepresented and mistyped very often. I just don't find that to be the case. Yes, and how it's commonly, uh, just a lot of it is when people are like, oh, you're a four, I'm a four too. I just, I'm, I'm very emotional. And, and it, that's, yeah. that's the reasoning. Because everyone wants, at least in my circles, or everyone wants to be emotionally in tune, so they just align with themselves with the most emotional type, which doesn't every circle Every circle has its own biases, right? In the corporate world, there are people mistyping themselves as threes and eights, okay, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, but in other populations, there are going to be other mistypings. In academia, in the sciences, you're going to get people mistyping themselves as fives when they're not, right? But I think that it all evens out. And in the aggregate, there's, you know, there's no type that is any more mistyped either by self or <laughs> other. <more> miserable. <laughs> or, no, 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 I'm just... No, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think that, you know... I think that if you and even others, have to, I'm not saying that exactly are. right, exactly yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so if you even it all out, you know, across the global population, you know, I, I don't think that fours are any more mistyped than any of the other types. Yeah, absolutely. and how could we even know, honestly? But yeah, well, sure, sure. But it's just you know my anecdotal experience, right? In the corporate world, you don't see people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm a four when they're not, right? I mean, it just. You know, it's not the direction they're going to go. All Great. Right. Well, let's let's jump. Are we done in. with fours? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's do the preserving four. This one's a weird one. Yeah. Why weird? <laughs> <laughs> so, so why do you, why do you think, Creek, that this is the weird one? I'm curious about that statement. Oh, I I don't know. I I think it's um, as I've as I've come to adopt more of your language and and accepting the whole navigating fate. Finally. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Uh, then when I run into preserving fours, there's an obvious connection, but it's also they just feel different to me than when I've encountered transmitting fours. It's it's it just more, it's more subdued. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I'm I, I think the majority of my of the fours in my life are probably navigating or transmitting, and so my experience has been more extroverted or more expressive externally. Yeah. yeah. So the preserving four, right, unique preserving, they're going to be, like all preservers, focused on their nest, focused on their well-being. They're going to be more uh, risk-averse, although for some reason Naranjo calls them reckless, dauntless, which I just do not get. You know, they're, they're actually fairly conservative in their views. But what they're doing is creating a unique nest in a way. Now, and, you know, and by extension, all the things in it. So you have this focus on refinement and elegance and sophistication in their presentation and the clothes they wear, the cars they drive, the homes they live in. There's elegance involved, right? Uh, that's a big concern. I would imagine they could look very one-ish. 
They could. They could look three-ish, right? Because there's... Uh, we'll give an example here. So um, uh, Maria Jose and I were doing a, a, a training in Spain some years back. And there was this guy, he walks in, handsome guy, dressed really sharply. His hair was perfect, you know, trimmed eyebrows, you know, the whole the thing, right? His hair, I mean, literally looked like a, a you know, a rooster, right? And, you know, and and he walks in and we both He's look good. at him. His clothes, yeah, it was, you know, just, just yeah. beautiful. I mean, he looked like he stepped out of a fashion shoot, right? And Maria Jose and I looked at each other and we're like, yeah, you know, geez, talk about his transmitter, right? And we're talking about the instinctual biases and this guy can't find himself, right? He just can't find himself in any of the three instinctual domains. And we're like, what is, what the, what's the problem with this dude? Can he see, <laughs> you know? And then when we start talking about the types, he just jumped onto the four. Right. It was like, you know, because he had come to us a couple of times and said, yeah, I'm just not getting there. I'm not finding this. You know, and we got to the four. He was like, that's me. And we realized that he was a preserving four. And what looked superficially like transmitting was really just this sort of sartorial elegance. What's right? sartorial? Uh, in, in the clothing and uh, word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Is it just me? Or is it a word that I can't even guess, actually. (laughs) Okay, good. Oh, my children. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, the clothing and the style and the fashion, right? It was just this, this elegance that he had. And we see this in a lot of preserving force, right? This I, I had a client years ago who you know, he was a I don't know, he was a an engineer of some sort. Now, of course, oh engineer fours aren't engineers. Well, sure they are. And um and I remember him telling me he drove a purple Porsche. Okay, that he had saved money for, and you know, all this really stuff. easy to sell. <laughs> yeah, and and it, it wasn't, but it wasn't an ugly purple, right? It was an elegant, deep, dark purple. It was a beautiful car. I saw it, and then he starts telling me about his his house and how he had, I think it was burgundy colored leather wallpaper in the house, right? And he says, you got to see it. It's beautiful, you know, and it's elegant and it's this and that. And he was always dressed really sharply and all these things. But again, it wasn't peacocky. It wasn't transmitting. It was just, I want this environment of elegance around me. Now, these are some extreme examples, but I see this over and over again, right? When we picture preserving force, it's always these burgundy red or these more extreme dramatic kind of colors and things around the nest. But like my dad is a preserving four and he doesn't do those things. He doesn't use those colors. However, he's always doing something around the nest and he likes kind of woodwork and doing things himself. And there's always something that he's fixing or creating for the nest that it's special, that it's elegant. But a bit understated, not so flashy. Right. Right. Uh, and when he goes out, always it's like he could be, I don't know, wearing anything at home, but then he goes out and it's, and it could be something that it's not even like too new or anything, but he's always wearing something that makes him look elegant. And that's kind of what people see yeah. right away. That's a comment that people, that my mom does, like, ah, 
do you see how he looks? Like he's just, and and it's interesting because it's not dramatically intense or anything. Right. It's just more understated, but still different. Yeah. You know, Don Riso was a preserving four. And Maria Jose, you were up at the barn, right? You did trainings uh-huh. up at the barn, right? Well, you know, it was, you know, for years, for years they had done, they had done trainings yeah. uh, in these places that, you know, were not particularly elegant. You know, they were retreat centers and all that stuff and they were fine, but Don always wanted something more elegant, you know, and then when he had the opportunity, he created this training center. That it was, was beautiful. It, it was beautiful. It was in a beautiful part of upstate New York and, you know, and it was, you know, decorated elegant. Now, I'd never been there, but I'd seen pictures and whatnot. And, you know, and actually one time when I was going through the, the Riso Hudson training, uh, you know, I, I I knew Don and, you know, Russ is a friend of mine. And so Don uh, had to go to Walmart to get some training supplies or something, okay? And we're, we're in the Pocono Mountains somewhere at this training center. And so Don and I drive to, to Walmart. And we walk in, and he had never been in a Walmart before. And he walks in, and he looks around, and he says, people actually come here? Right. Because it was just for him, you know, it was like, you know, he was a New York guy, you know, and, you know, it was all about the sophistication of Manhattan. So, you know, and he wasn't, he wasn't disdainful of the people who shop at Walmart or anything. He just looked around and thought, this is just the ugliest place. Why would people come here if they don't have to? Okay. So again, it's that Mm -hmm. thing about refinement and quality, because for the preserving four, it, 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 we can think of their environment as their work of art, right? It's creating this, you know, this uh, unique, interesting, beautiful, elegant environment. Remember that guy in Egypt, Mario, who bought, and I feel like we're repeating the examples, but yeah. it doesn't matter because it's a good one. He used to buy furniture in Ikea and then assemble it <laughs> in a different way, not like the instructions said. Right. So right. it was the typical thing, but right. he right. would assemble it differently so that yeah. it made it special. And, you know, just this week I had breakfast with a guy who was a preserving for a guy I've known for years. He was a client. And I remember when we were working together and, you know, he was working in a, you know, a corporate complex. And I remember him coming in with this lamp that he had brought from home, right? We're about to have a meeting and he, you know, reaches into this box by his desk and he pulls out this lamp that he had went out and bought himself because he just needed something special, in his office, you know, and he just felt so good about, you know, plugging it in and all that sort of thing, you know? And and now here is a guy, you know, and again, this idea that all fours are, you know, weird and misfits and all this sort of stuff, a very successful corporate guy who very normal, very grounded, but a four, right? Who, you know, was still far more reflective than certainly I am or, you know, other people. So, but that's the preserving. Not too hard. What's that? What Not too difficult to find to, to be more elegant and sophisticated. <laughs> more self-reflective. Yeah. Self-reflective. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah. And maybe we can talk more about this when we get to the transmitting. But mm-hmm. I, I do see this, at least in the fours that I know, we, we talked a bunch about the understatedness. And even in the transmitting fours that I do know, it's still not 
extravagantly bright colors. It can right, still be right. un, like unusual clothing yeah. and, and still provocative. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, it's there still needs to be some air of mystery that I can I can blend into the shadows in a moment if you need me to or if oh, I yeah. want to, right? But the like there's something about the way this guy is dressed that's like I can't put my finger on it. And that's at least from my experience and, and those around me that are fours, like that is a common experience that it's just like always want that something. It's like something about this guy is, is so, yeah. So the classic example of this, and again, I don't want to jump ahead to the transmitters, but Steve Jobs, okay, who was a transmitting four. And you think of Steve Jobs, he's wearing New Balance sneakers, which are now referred to as dad sneakers, right? Or at least they were a few years ago. Levi's jeans and these black mock turtlenecks, okay? Well, those black mock turtlenecks cost hundreds of dollars, right? They were a Japanese brand that he had to have shipped in bulk and, you know, were really, really expensive. But you wouldn't know it from looking at it unless you knew, right? Hey, he's wearing that brand, okay? But you look at him and it's like, hey, he's just a guy who, you know, jeans, sneakers, and, a you know, a turtleneck. But it was, to your point, there's something there, right? That's like, wait a minute, that's just not a guy in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's talk about pattern of expression for the preserving four. So that we get quickly to the navigating four, right? <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, there's nothing quick about this, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're complex creatures, you know, you gotta, you gotta sink are. into the depths. Human I was, beings. Who I was talking. Talk, want to talk about himself? <laughs> <laughs> I was talking more about our um, our, our loquaciousness here on uh, you know uh, talking a lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> loquaciousness. You mean pretentiousness? <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking about fours, right? So uh, <laughs> there we go. Yes. All right. So pattern of expression, Mario Jose, You want to talk about the pattern of expression? Sure. So the pattern of expression is the zone of enthusiasm is um, preserving and that manifests in all the ways that we've been talking about here. Uh, the zone of inner conflict is navigating and usually it's something that all preservers feel somehow close but are conflicted about. So sometimes I do do it, do it well and but get tired of it or... Um, don't know if I'm doing it well enough or withdraw. And I think that with navigators, it's, it causes some inner kind of stress or conflict because it's, if I'm looking at how I fit and who am I compared to the other and I'm comparing myself, that gets even more triggered by the navigating uh, aspect that I'm conflicted about. So it's it's more of an issue, probably. Who am I, and what part of the group? I mean, do I belong to the group, and all of that? It's 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 more. I think might be make it more conflicted than for any other preserver. And then the zone of indifference is um, transmitting, and and that makes them these more understated version, which kind of ignores or is feels indifferent about the signals that I send and being flashier and um, more extreme like the other ones. 
With the navigating four, it's interesting because a lot of the navigating fours that I know can be very, um, very sociable, or at least seem very sociable. I know um, a couple of navigating fours who are salespeople, for example. And so they're, because they're salespeople, they recognize I have to build relationships. I have to get out. I have to, you know, have dinner with people. I have to go to, you know, events and all that sort of thing. And while they're there, they're engaged, they're charming, they're outgoing, and they just want to get home too. Or, and with the, the preserving four, it's almost like they disappear all of a sudden. You know, they may not respond to text messages, may not answer their phone, you know, all this sort of thing. It's like, well, where did they go? They seem so friendly and outgoing the night before. And then, you know, I, I can't get to them anymore. You said navigating four. Did you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Preserving? I meant preserving. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Now, you can okay. say that same thing about all fours. So here's the thing when it comes to professional work for preserving four. And, you know, and I, w- I want to call out here to our book, uh, Instinctual Leadership, where we have the descriptions of the subtypes, because I was reviewing that earlier today. And the preserving four, they want to have financial security, right? I, I, I want to have enough money. Okay? So they're probably more inclined to take normal quote-unquote, sort of jobs. Steady paycheck, consistent, you know, a more corporate sort of environment. In my experience, working in organizations, the bulk of the fours I run into tend to be preserving fours, okay? So I have to do the things that will ensure my livelihood. But once I get to that point, then I withdraw from it, right? So I do just enough to make sure I do good at work, but I'm not doing any more because I need my space, et cetera. Uh, what's, a, what's a way you commonly work with preserving fours? What's the common issue and how do you remedy that? So, so for me, with the preserving fours that I've worked with, it's like with most preservers, it's actually learning how to promote themselves a bit more. Right, how to draw attention to their accomplishments and the things they they succeed in. Now, one of the things that preserving fours struggle with is this fear that what they do is just not elegant enough or sophisticated enough or it's too mundane, right? They'll they'll fall into this trap of looking down on what they do, right? Because uh, you know, I'm just you know, I, I, I have this vision for something more beautiful, but I do project management for some, you know, manufacturing company, you know, and so it, it can seem like my life, my work has no meaning to it, you know, and so this is where they're tortured. So very often it's about helping them find meaning, right? Helping them find some sense of creativity within what they're doing uh, to find the value that it brings. One more thing about preserving force that their emotional intensity, although is not as the transmitting for, but it's more inwards and they might withdraw and kind of, I don't know how you say it in English, but it's like, you know, you're, they're pissed off. You know, they're, uh, there's something going on, but they're not talking to you. It, it's, it, yeah, it, it is. It, Inward, right? Like you're saying, Riose. I also find that there tends to be a lot of kind of self hatred with the preserving four, right? Of I just, you know, I I'm I'm not good enough. I you know I don't fit in. And uh, now again, we see this in all fours, 
but with the preserving four, it just seems to be a kind of more tightly coiled version of this. It's not, whereas with the transmitting four, it's I hate myself, but I hate you more, right? Mm. Whereas with the preserving four, it's like, yeah, I, I, I hate you, but I hate myself more. Yeah, and look, and, and I also want to say, okay, because we're talking here with this idea of self-hatred, we're talking about lower level fours. Most of the fours that I work with are pretty healthy people, okay? So when we see, or when some people in the Enneagram world see a fairly healthy four, they don't know how to respond to it because all the stereotypes are about the self-hating, angry, you know, depressed sort of four. But, you know, once you grow up, you get past that a little bit. You know, once you do your work, you get past that a little bit. And, you know, you can't pick a four out of a crowd any easier than you can any other type. Even if you don't want to hear it, Craig. (laughs) 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 And and again, this this applies to every single type, okay? Mm -hmm. A healthy eight is not the classroom bully, okay? They're not the loud you know, obnoxious person. A healthy seven, a mature seven, is not the lampshade on the head, party, fool, you know, never finish anything stereotype, okay? Those people, you know, healthy people are out there. Yeah. But one of the problems with the Enneagram world is they tend not to gravitate toward, you know, these sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, these sort of activities. On the whole, we talked a bunch about like the outward expression via fashion with the four. I think there is there is something to that, but I also know four is that on some level doesn't mean that it's always high fashion. In some ways, like there's like this, some fours they they like the idea of not being fashionable because that's also as a way of being like, you people care what you look like, I don't. Could also be something with the instinctual biases but well well, yeah so i I think we're going to see more of that in the navigating and the transmitting force okay this sort of poke in the eye of convention now this is not to say and and i think maria jose already made this point not to say that every preserving four is joe gq right there you know but there will be some attempt at creating elegance in their environment and not every preserving four can afford to dress, you know, the way that others can. So, you know, so yeah, it will look different. But I think we're going to see more of this uh, antagonism that you're talking about in the other two subtypes, which is a good transition to the navigating four. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want this to be a six-hour episode. Yeah, right. (laughs) Everyone else does, though. That's, that's yeah, the thing. I know. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> Hashtags more fours than you can shake a stick at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about the navigating four. Why are we so great? So different because and, I, I, I think that it's the less obvious four to me. And it's interesting that many of the navigating fours that I've met get confused with sevens, which might seem really. Difficult. Counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. But they have more of a sense of humor, I think. They seem to enjoy life more or in a way that it's, they express joy more, I think. Um, And 
they don't look like the stereotypical four to me. Mm. I think the other mistyping is nine, and mm. because they're a they're a more mellow sort of four in general. Again, still fours, but uh, but this is the the four that is okay. So it's unique navigating. Why nine, Mario? Yeah. Well, and we'll bring this up. I mean, there have been times when Maria Jose and I have discussed, you know, are you a nine, right? Because sometimes you will do creek. things, say things that, yeah, creek, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not not you, listener. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> we're watching you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, we talk about because, you, listener, but yeah. we will not mention that. But here. not as, yeah, not as much as we talk about Creek. Now, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you do things or say things that we say, hmm, yeah, you know, feels like there's a little nine going on there. I think just mm-hmm. you know, last week or two weeks ago, I sent a message to Maria Jose. Any chance Creek's a nine, right? And then we quickly yeah. talk ourselves out of it, right? But yeah, again, yeah, but but still, you have this ease to you right this easygoing quality there's you know not a lot of rough edges around you at least externally you know you get along with people you always want to get along with people you don't want to offend people Mm. right you're the one who's always saying well wait a minute that's going to hurt somebody's feelings or you know something like that um you can see mario's face right now he's mocking me basically (laughs) (laughs) yeah Rios has turned over the guardrail maintenance to you, you know. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll wear you out soon and we'll have to find somebody okay. else to bring on. To, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I think that it's the, the navigating thing, like being aware of what other people are going to feel or think. And um, that seems nine-ish yeah. for if, many, many navigators. Not sure right. about you, but. Well, I've had people, (laughs) I've had people say, you know, I feel like a nine sometimes, you know, that's Mm. only when they meet me for like a minute, you know, but, (laughs) uh, you know, but. I I wonder if there's any level, if there's any level of, I get along with everyone most of the time because, because it is an expression of uniqueness because I can find, I can always find a way in which I connect to them Yeah, and, and. It, or or can see their perspective relatively easy enough that I can be like, okay, that's a little weird. That's fine. We'll just lean this direction in our relationship. Yeah. Um, versus a nine, which I feel like is going to not draw the distinctions as easily. Yeah. Feel free to push back. Yeah, that it's unique navigating. I have this unique way of navigating, yeah. uh, which is the theme of the navigating four. And and what you're saying, it just screams that. Uh, It's a deliberate way of navigating that ends up um, getting along well because you find those things, those ways to connect to people. But it's deliberately kind of deciding to do that and not just needing to get along, but wanting to get along Mm -hmm. uh, in a particular way. I, I believe my father is a nine or a five. But either way, he has skills in delivering hard subjects. Um, and so I think in my upbringing, there's been a development of skill in that area of of being able to deal with difficult people. And that's just been enforced with the, the navigating piece. What's coming to my mind is when we talk about the preserving four, we can think of it as the art of preserving. And we think about the navigating four 
we can think of it as the art of navigating, right? In the same search for elegance and sophistication and preserving that the preserving four has, the navigating four makes an art out of figuring out other people, how the group works, and what my role in it is. Okay, so there's this constant shaping of who I am, what my tribe is, what my tribe is not, okay, and constantly navigating that. And it's often shifting, right? Because as we grow, as we age, as we mature or you know, devolve, our environment changes, our group changes, and we shift towards it in a way that I'm fitting in but yet I'm standing out and maybe I'm part of a group that is in a sense outcasts from society in some way. Right? I always think of the, um, uh, the crusties, right? There's, uh, the, the homeless kids, you know, who are, um, they're always dressed in black. You see them in urban areas. They always have a dog with them. They, you know, they dumpster dive for food they're kind of anarchists and you see them all over hmm. the country, actually all over the world. I've seen them in different places and it's this rebellion, right? Of we are not part of the mainstream society. We are going to live off the refuse of, you know, the masses or the, the bourgeois, but they're very much a tribe, right? And they're very much, you know, they all dress the same. They all smell the same they all you know they all do the same sort of thing they smell really bad because they don't bathe right so no offense to my crusty friends out there but y'all stink so um so but again it's this i am part of a tribe that is a mini tribe in contrast with the, the more mundane larger tribe but it doesn't have to be that extreme i just want to be clear about this again right. because you know they can seem really normal for instance, part of my rebellion is the, the me being self-employed and working remotely is is that form of rebellion, and I refuse to go back into a nine to five in in any shape or form. Like I'd rather live on rice for three months than give in to the mm -hmm. corporate structure. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that is part of your identity, right? That's your yes. part of your self perception. This is who I am. This is my place within the context of the whole, which is what the navigating thing is all about. It's a pattern of expression. We have navigating, transmitting, and preserving. Yeah, so again, navigating is the dominant. It's the zone of enthusiasm. The transmitting domain is the zone of inner conflict. So there's this issue around what is appropriate transmitting. I want to transmit and I don't want to be seen transmitting. I look like those I, transmitters out there. <laughs> yes, I, I don't want to be one of them, but I want to be one of them, right? I, I, I want to be in the spotlight, but I don't want to be one of those people who wants to be in the spotlight, okay, sort of thing, right? So there's this inner conflict in this domain. And so... Which, which gets resolved when I'm expected to be that. And that's for all navigators, I think, that if... Um, I have a role that demands that kind of transmission. I, I'm happy to do it. Right. Yeah. Like it's, here. It's, <laughs> exactly. And I, and I think all three of us can say the same thing. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm putting on the, the, the performer suit now. 
right? I was talking to somebody the other day. In fact, it was this preserving four. And I said, you know, there's the real Mario and then there's the character Mario that I play on the podcast, you know, when I'm giving workshops, all that sort of thing. And they are different people. They're not completely different people, but they're different enough that it makes me feel okay about going into the character. And with the four, it's the same sort of thing, right? When the, the navigating four, it's like, it's okay. I'm, I'm, it's okay for me to do this now because it's expected of me and I won't be alienating people. It doesn't, yeah, it's not like a separate self. It's a, it's a very specific yeah. part of the pie of yeah. me. Yeah, it, you know, and you could take things like the, the, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld show. You know, now I'm not suggesting he was a four. I don't think he was, but it's, you know, I'm playing Jerry Seinfeld. You know, it's kind of me, but it's not really. And so I can let loose there and, and so forth. So that's what we tend to see. Now, when it comes to the preserving domain, again, it's the navigating four is generally not particularly structure-oriented, process-oriented. And so the preserving thing is, you know, um, undeveloped. It's the, the zone of indifference. Now, again, this doesn't mean that they're not going to be chefs, for example. You know, you're a great example of somebody who likes to cook. And somebody might look at your obsession with cooking and coffee, pretentious coffee, coffee and all that, and, <laughs> you know, and think, oh, you must be preserving. And it's funny because I have a cousin who is also a preserving four. And about seven or eight years ago, all of a sudden he started cooking and he would make these weird, not weird, these very unusual dishes that were always delicious. But it was a big experiment. Preserving four or navigating four? He was navigating four. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I say preserving? So it was a navigating four, but he wasn't preserving. This wasn't a reflection of preserving, this was a reflection of identity. Right, which is a big difference. Abs- yeah, and and the the whole cooking thing for me is, uh, it's it's always it's a way in which I can set myself apart from the majority of other people that don't know how to cook well, or the coffee thing where it's like it, there's a way there's a way in which I can always find myself in in superiority because you don't know what good coffee is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it's an identity. Um, yeah. Now, now my window of tolerance has has expanded over the years of what I allow in <laughs> into my body, but it's still just just to have that I know that I actually know the exceptional thing that most people don't gives me yes. some, some yes. degree of pleasure. Yes, that's that's a good point. I am in the know about things. Yeah, and, and I think that that touches on something that I think it's relevant for all fours. Because people ask me, do they feel inferior? And I think that they feel like they have had a harder time than most people, fours in general, but they feel superior in certain things that are what sets them apart. So I, I feel superior because I care about good coffee and you don't. And so it, it is both things. I think that I am not good at these things, but I really know about certain things and I'm better than you in that way. I wonder in some ways if that, that vacillation of inferior to superior, there's like this, I know I'm superior in this area, but you don't see it and therefore I'm inferior because you don't see it, even though I know I'm superior. Does that make sense? I got lost. 
Yeah, well, I think that it's it's it, it, uh, well, may, maybe, but but I think that that it's it, it's in different domains the inferiority and superiority, and yeah, I want you to see that I'm superior, and I know that I am, but in certain domains, I feel like you're better or that I um, sure. I don't have what it takes. And but mm-hmm. in certain things that are have to do with aesthetics, beauty, special things, you are just average, and I'm mm-hmm. superior. And and very often when fours are noting their superiority, it's often in reference to people that they see as much inferior, much more inferior. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like you don't know anything about coffee. Right. But I do. So it's almost like I got to point out how, you know, uninteresting and unsophisticated you are as a way of making myself feel better. Now, again, we're talking about the unhealthy versions of these things or not even so much the unhealthy versions, but how we feel under stress and how we fall into our traps. Right. So that's what it looks like. And it doesn't have to be insanely um, vitriolic. No, no. In in, in <laughs> we're just killing these unique words today. Um, because like I can still be, I can still be like, you don't know what you're missing when it comes to coffee, yeah. or the most favorite thing in the world is people that ha- have never tasted really good coffee, and I'm able to. They're all like anxiety, like anxious about like, what if I can't taste the difference? You'll taste the difference, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. And like to me, it's exciting to bring them into this world, even though I know I know more than them and that this is going to be a more exceptional experience, but it's not always a bad thing of, right. of, in that respect. No. So. And it's like your treasure and you want to share it, but it's still yours. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think too, you're touching on another navigating thing there is kind of the navigator as guide, right? Navigators love to show people things, right? They love to, you know, I have explored this, I have gone ahead and now I'm coming back and I'm taking you there too. And there's just this joy in showing those things. I know the optimum beautiful path for you. Yeah. And that's how, yeah. And that's how a a navigating four might think about it, right? Yeah. We don't want to know how a navigating eight thinks about it. What's something that you often work with navigating fours on? It's so one of the things that a navigating four can struggle with is developing a sense of direction. And again, this is how there can be sort of a four, I'm sorry, a seven ish quality to them is they tend to be switchers, right? They do this for a while and then they say, "Eh, okay, this isn't quite as gratifying as I thought it would be. So, you know, I'm going to switch to something else or, all right, I've ridden this as far as I can take it. I'm searching for more interesting things. So I, I move on. So very often when I'm working with a navigating four, it's about, okay, what do you really want? Right. Where are you going? Right. What is your right? You know, what is your sense of purpose, your sense of direction? And then, creating a disciplined approach or at least a moderately disciplined approach to accomplishing that. But it's very often about what is it you really want? Who do you really want to be that a navigating four has to wrestle with? 
Yeah, and it's like like the seven gets trapped in feeling free, but they're not able to choose something. Yeah. Here is the same, like in the quest of selecting the most unique thing, I might not be able to choose anything. Yeah, yeah, a very good point. There's a lot of that overlap there with those. Uh, the um, Anthony Bourdain, I go back and forth over whether he was a seven or a four. Uh, with the, uh, you know, he was the guy that traveled around the world doing food shows. And there was always this kind of being on a quest for something. And just when I thought I found the ultimate, mm, I wonder what's over there. Now, I, I know Russ Hudson says he was a seven, or I think last time I talked to Russ, that's what he said. Could have been. Um, but I saw a whole lot of navigating four in Anthony Bourdain as well. Do we have to move on? We do. Don't worry. Don't worry, Craig. We'll we'll come back someday and talk about the navigating four some more. (laughs) Okay. Um, Great. So let's let's move on to the transmitting four. So the transmitting four, unique transmitting, the art of transmitting. What transmitters are seeking to do is to create something, right? To bring something into the world that did not exist before. And Usually what's happening with transmitting fours is they're trying to bring something into the world that is in some way a reflection of them. It might be a slightly improved version of them. It might be their vision about the world. It might be just, you know, just having an impact in some way so that people know they were there. So these are people who create. Maria Jose and I have a friend who is a transmitting four. And she's always creating organizations. Right? She, she starts things and, and she refers to them as her babies. And so it's like I created this thing and put it out there into the world. And you see some doing that with their art. This is kind of the, in many ways, this is the stereotype of the four, especially today, that it's this intense, driven, you know, sometimes dark uh, version of the four. And many people, when they see them from the outside, might confuse them with an eight, which is, again, counterintuitive. Right. However, they have this drive and intensity when they're really, really passionate about something that makes them really forceful and have a almost like dictatorial yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. in a way. Yeah. And... To me, the difference is how they feel inside, of course, because they are doing that and then they go home and think, how the hell did I do that? Yeah. And it's just move on. (laughs) (laughs) It's go home and have a hamburger. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have have a friend who's a transmitting for and um, he just he was applying for this marketing job And his uh, his resume was a a beautiful box that he had made lined with this perfect material. He had made a a wooden book with his portfolio in it. It was beautifully designed. He ordered whiskey glasses with the company's logo on it, and all all put in this specially handmade box that he was going to deliver. And he's like, I don't know. I just kind of did it, and. <laughs> Um, we'll see if they like it or not, but it's just kind of for me because I wanted to do it and just, just very like, well, the other two people on the call were just like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful thing. One of the guys cried when he saw it. It was so beautiful. Like, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, 
this this sort of weird Did he sort get of get the job. Uh, they were very impressed, but we'll see where it goes. Um, okay. But my experience with it is like this really weird sort of. I know I can create the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Not sure how I did it, and not sure it's all that special. Yeah. So, so we see this in again. We, not every transmitting four is an artist, or you know, actually that interesting. Again, transmitting four friend of mine. You know, I went to her town, and I wanted to go to the museum and see a particular artist, and she was bored out of her mind in the museum. And we're thinking, oh, you're, you're a four. You're supposed to love this stuff. And I'm an eight and I'm not supposed to love it. And it was a complete role reversal. So we want to be really careful about making any sort of stereotypical things. But there is this overwhelming need to bring something into the world that is different, that fills a niche that nobody even knew was there. And again, I always go back to Steve Jobs, and there's I, I I don't get why, but there's a lot of people out there who think Jobs was a seven or a three or something like that. But oh man, you read that biography of him by Walter Isaacson, and it is a case study in the transmitting four. And he famously didn't do any market research because he said people don't know what they want until I tell them. Right? It was just everything was about elegance and refinement and sophistication and making an impact. You know, he said, I want to put a dent in the world. And it just so happened to be through technology that he did that. So it's for the transmitting forward, they're intense. Maria Jose, I, I, did you use the word uh, dictatorial? Is that the word you used? Or uh, Yeah, so they can be that way. It's like I have a vision and yeah. you better be on board. Because if you are not on board, you're part of the enemy and you better get out of my way, right? And you better do what I tell you. So we see a big connection to one here of this is the way it's going to be and this is the way it needs to be. And you better work hard and help me get my vision done. Oh, and by the way, I don't care what your vision is. And I don't care what anybody else's vision is. And don't try to put rules on me and don't try to tell me what this to do. This will be this way. It will be this way. And, you know, it'll be the way I want it to be. So there are obviously lesser extreme forms of that. Yes. Yes. But, but that same, yeah, there will be lesser, you know, not every transmitting four is going to build Apple. Okay. But in their world, that's how it's going to be. It may not be as that it's angry and that extreme, but that's the way it's going to be. This is my vision of the world, and I only want people around me who are on board with my vision. So pattern of expression. So the preserving instinctual bias is, I'm sorry, the preserving instinctual domain is the zone of inner conflict, very often focused on their health and their well-being. Mm. Steve Jobs, again, not to, not to overuse that example, but the reason he died is because he was into all these weird diets and all these weird alternative healing things. And instead of getting a very simple standard treatments for his cancer, he tried to do all these alternative quirky things and they ended up obviously not working. So there's always this focus on health and well-being, but a conflicted sense of it, just like we see with all the transmitters. They really don't read social cues well. They're really, they really That's struggle That's the with zone it. of indifference. The zone of indifference is in the navigating domain. They really, because they're so focused on their vision, they just 
they really struggle with the navigating domain of just seeing why other people wouldn't see things their way. Okay. Uh, they don't do they don't do organizational politics well at all usually, right? It's a, it's a real it's, again the zone of indifference for them. Now they may understand human nature. Steve Jobs certainly did. He understood certain things about human nature. But again, great example of somebody who was just when it came to corporate politics, he was horrible at it, which is why he got kicked out of Apple the first time because he just could not read the corporate tea leaves and he got whacked. As with all transmitters, I think that not being able to read the social cues has an advantage because oh, it allows absolutely. you to just be really focused on your vision or your goal yes. and make progress and reach it or get closer to it. So there's an advantage until... It isn't. Until it's a disadvantage, right? Yeah, right. That lack of inhibition can be an advantage. You're absolutely right. Until it's not. Unfortunately, the stereotypical four is usually someone who could not be on a leadership leadership position or uh, could I don't know doesn't can't have yeah. a real job and all of that. And that's just not true. Right. I think that they can be in leadership roles at as much as anyone if they want to. Many of them have the skills for it and they have some challenges as we all do. But I just hate to see how people uh, make it like they're outcasts or yeah. um, they can't have a, a normal leadership role or real job. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that all the types suffer from stereotypes. We talked about with the seven, for example, not being the life of the party necessarily and so forth. But I think with the four, it's at its most extreme, the misunderstandings and the stereotypes. And I always think of the no true Scotsman fallacy when I hear people talk about fours. The no mm. true Scotsman fallacy is, you know, two Scotsmen are talking about a third and one of them says, you know, oh, all, all, all Scotsmen love scotch and the other one says well mcgregor doesn't like scotch and the first one says well he's no true scotsman then so it's this idea if you're not my stereotype of the four well then you're not a four and anybody who doesn't fit my stereotype must be mistyped a nine or you know whatever um no it's just the stereotypes are wrong and they're picked from a sampling bias this is what it comes down to because you go out into the corporate world you're going to see fours they're just not going to look like the fours that we think about as the stereotype or just the i get this a lot of the the that fours are delicate in some way right um sure sometimes people feel like they have to walk on eggshells around them but it's i think fours are very very resilient in in turning something around eventually sure. and, and keeping keeping on going despite whether uh, despite pain and suffering whether that's self-inflicted or actual uh, yeah. externally inflicted yeah. look the, yeah. the, the delicate fours are delicate and the resilient fours are resilient okay it's it's a, it's a, it's an independent variable I, and i yeah. think that maybe we're talking about two different things here because 
the the working on eggshells, I think, has to do with because they're comparing themselves to their environment all the time. It it makes them feel like everything is personal, and that's why they feel kind of touched by whatever you do around them. But doesn't mean that they are going against some uh, difficult situation. They will not be resilient. I think it's it's two different things. No, it's a fair, it's a fair yeah. distinction. Mm-hmm. Good grief! Are we yeah. finally done with the force? Yeah, <laughs> it's trying to make this the longest episode yet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and if it if it isn't the longest episode, it sure feels like it. No. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I I love force. Some of my best friends. Sure, are sure, force. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, thank you for listening to this the most unique episode yet and uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening to the awareness to action enneagram podcast if you're interested in more information or talking to mario mj or myself feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awareness to action.com all episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awareness to action.com slash podcast <laughs>